This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Pastor Sean here. I'm ready to get into my Bible with you. And we are really beginning a series. We kind of talked a little bit about it on Easter Sunday, but we're getting in our new series today, The Cross. And we're going to go the next three Sundays. So we got three Sundays. Who knows? We might go a little uh, more than that, but we will definitely take the next three weeks and really look at the cross, the um, the theology of the cross. What does it mean? Um, what about the cross? And so um, let's do this, guys. Um, I'm stoked you're here, and I am ready to teach you guys um, the Word of God today. So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the Scriptures. Let it be life to us, Lord. Let there be a impartation of divine truth as we partake of your Word today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, here we go, guys. We're going to jump right in uh, the cross. And so uh, we got three weeks. We're going to take our time a little bit uh, in studying for this. I try to kind of really look at the whole month and kind of try to place things in certain weeks. And so there is somewhat of an approach to this in prayer and just looking at the word and how do we really take our time so we can kind of really look at this. So so today, all right, I'm just going to give you a little foundation um, of it, and, and, and we'll get into some stuff that I believe will minister to you. So uh, just a little background, maybe, of this, um, uh, and, and kind of some of what some other men of God throughout history have said. Um, and so um, the really well-known Protestant reformer, um, Martin Luther, um, came up with a, some language here when he nailed his 95 thesis um, um, and basically was part of triggering what we consider and call the Protestant Reformation. Some of his um, thesis and um, revelation at the time uh, was really foundational to the Christian faith, but revolutionary because of the state of the church through the Middle Ages and uh, things like penance, paying for the forgiveness of sin, paying to get your family out of um, a fictitious fantasy place called purgatory, um, you know, and all of these other kind of twisted, dark, evil things that were in um, environments claiming to be the church. And so, uh, so one of the, the kind of, things he said at the time was he called it the theology of the cross. Okay, so so in the Protestant Reformation, we're talking 1500s now, it, was, it wasn't like they were trying to start a revolution. Um, they were, these were different people in different nations that kind of um, just were enlightened to the scripture, justification by grace through faith, um, just putting our faith in God alone, the word alone, grace alone glory to God alone. It was just really almost just uncovering really basic theology, but it was revolutionary because of the past, my goodness, thousand years maybe 
um, of a lot of weird stuff that, that the church became. Okay, so one of those things he mentioned, he calls, and he, he, I think he had some writing on it called The Theology of the Cross. And so I just want to kind of read um, a statement he made, okay? Um, so in, with regards to church history, we're not really going back that far, okay? We're only going, like, what I'm talking to you right now is just, you know, we're going back maybe 500 years, which really isn't that long considering church history began um, 1,500 years before that. Okay, so, but uh, Martin Luther, okay, so um, in referring to the cross, this is what he said, that is, the cross is the um, God's divine self-revelation, or he revealed himself through it, okay, as the only source of knowledge concerning who God is and how God saves, all right, is the only source of knowledge concerning who God is and how God saves, and so he wasn't making a theological statement in the sense that, okay, we don't, we don't see him in the word and we can't experience him through prayer. What he was really combating or um, confronting was how much of the theology in the Catholic Church at the time was about works, about what we do, about our efforts, our discipline, about penance, about human effort um, and all that. And he's like, no, the theology of the cross, the cross tells us in the scripture this is the source. And what, he, what, what was he saying? That the source of, of knowledge concerning um, who God is and how God saves is something that God does or that God did. This is not human effort. So there was this kind of, um, the, the language they used back then at this time was, okay, there's like the theology of the cross. And he's like, it's about what God did. Right. And then there was this counter of that, like the theology of glory. And he kind of used some language about that. And he, what he was talking about was the theology of the cross is what God has done for us. That's the basis of our faith. Right. And then there was the theology of glory, which was about what we do. It was our efforts and how we do things that we can experience God. And, and, and Martin Luther was right. No, foundationally. Um, first and foremost, it is what God has done, not what we have done. It is what he has planned. And we are simply um, stepping in. We are responding to what God has done. Repentance itself, us turning to God is really because he has done something. He has touched you. He has convicted you. So even repentance itself, um, the confession of our sins, the confessing of Christ as Lord, that is a response to God speaking to you, God moving on your life, God touching you, God, uh, you know, doing what he does. Like our choice to serve God, we do not get the glory for that, right? It's not a theology of self-glory. It is a theology of the cross. It is that this is about what God has done. So my first point is this, okay, as we kind of jump in here to the cross this month, the cross reveals God to us. Now, I don't mean a cross, a literal crucifix like that. It can, I get, you know, people can look at it and go, well, what happened there? What's that? And I'm not saying that God can't speak through things in a sense, but it's not like there's something there isn't anything intrinsically eternal or supernatural about an image, about a picture, about 
a silver cross around somebody's neck. It's what it represents. The cross itself, what I mean literally, the cross, Christ, the God-man, the human slash God that walked the earth when he was crucified, what that has done, that very act initiated, planned, and executed by God, right? That, that, that right there, the cross reveals God to us. It reveals a lot, and we're going to go into some of these things in these later weeks of specifically what it has uncovered, what it has revealed, right? So Jesus was crucified outside the city, outside the camp, up on a hill called Golgotha. In the Latin, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's where we get the word, the English word Calvary, right? Um, and so up on this um, hill means skull, wide open in front of everybody. Um, God himself was exposed before the world, right? Um, up on that cross. And, and that, the cross, reveals God to us, okay? That, that, this is how we see um, God, not the only way we see him in creation, right? We, he reveals himself through creation. He reveals himself through his word. And in the word, in, in, in that act, that moment in history, tells us a lot about God, okay? And so let me just give you a little um, historical background. Many of you kind of know all this, but it's kind of cool as we're really talking to us. I like to kind of touch on some of this stuff too. So we're not just maybe looking at how it benefits us per se, um, scripturally, what it means to us spiritually, but I think we got to kind of circle around the cross and say, you know, and even we can see even 1500 years after it actually happening, kind of um, Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation, how they brought the, to the forefront that that our life as Christians is about what God has done. We are simply responding to it. And now just even back then, so, um, so this occurred uh, during the first century, and the assumption is somewhere around 30 to 33 AD, okay? And it's described in the four, um, what we call the canonical gospels, meaning the cross is described um, explicitly in uh, all four gospels and also in the letters. And it is, it is um, the prophets spoke of it in ancient times prior to the incarnation, Right, and it is also talked about in um, uh, 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 Revelation, the book of Revelation, um, in, in, even in heaven, the angels say, you know, worthy um, is the lamb that was slain. And so, and so the cross is a central uh, piece of human history as well as God's holy word. It's also considered an historical fact um, by secular and Christian historians alike, okay, in um, different um, writers of the time spoke of this Jesus. Um, they speak of his baptism. They speak of the crucifixion. They speak of Pontius Pilate. Um, and um, James Dunn, a theologian, these are, this is how he worded it. I thought this was kind of cool. But the baptism of Jesus and his crucifixion are considered to be two historically certain facts about Jesus, right? Um, James Dunn, theologian, states that these two facts in the life of Jesus command almost universal assent, okay? 
um, and, and rank so high on the almost impossible to doubt or deny scale of historical facts that they are often starting points for the study of the historical Jesus. So even those that are just studying ancient history and they say the historical Jesus, meaning he's in the history books, in writings of people that weren't in favor of him. They were simply documenting history as they saw it. All right, so so here we go. I just want to give you a little bit of that. But um, but why 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 is the cross so important? You know, not not just that it happened, of course, but why must it um, continue to be a foundation and focus of our journey with God today? Right? Why is it so important to to return there, if you will, to to learn from it, to study it? Why is it so important to to receive communion. I mean, even in the language of communion, right? When we read out of um, Corinthians chapter 11, when we receive communion, the last verse there, I forget the exact verse in, in um, chapter or chapter 11, but the exact verse, but it says, and we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why Why is that so important? So that's what we're gonna look at, look at here. And I think sometimes as Christians, we kind of, if we're not careful, we can be like, oh yeah, you know, I know all that. Like, uh, yeah, Jesus died for my sins and, you know, that, you know, uh, but, but, you know, and, 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 and so why is it even our worship songs still speak of that? Why does that minister to us? Why, why is, why is it in our songs? Why even, you know, these young people out there writing music right now, that's really, kind of communicating people, you, you hear and see the, the language of, of, of what Jesus did on the cross on them, right? It's like this, folk, we, don't, we don't worship the event, but the event itself, that the cross, what it represents um, is something we look into. It's a, it is a source of revelation of God for us in and through the word of God, all right? So somebody say amen out there. Okay, here we go. Let's jump into some verses now. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. I'm gonna read 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 24. It says this, uh, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Greeks, foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Okay, so here it is. Paul's laying it down here. Hey, this is the culture we're in. You got Jews, the religious elite, and you got Greeks, pagan worshipers, right? You got you got all of what they are, like, like the culture, everything, these people, their mindset, their ideologies, and they're saying, man, the world from this camp of the culture we're in, that this is what they want, this is what they want, but we as Christians, we preach Christ crucified. So there is power um, and wisdom in the preaching of Christ crucified, in the preaching of the cross, all right? Let's go to another one here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, all right? There is a lot concerning the cross, right, in Corinthians, all right? But in uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the, the testimony of God. Verse two, for I determined, I chose, I, 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 I 
um, came to a, a point of decision uh, with you guys in Corinth. This is what Paul's saying. You know, this was decisive. He says, I decided, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse three, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Verse four, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And here is my next point, the cross, okay? And all that it is, all that it represents, and all that happened there, the cross clarifies our message, right? It, 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 it is the message. He said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There was a lot going on in Corinth, a lot of people coming out of paganism, a lot of people in that community operating in the gifts of the spirit. There was a lot of what I would say like spiritual activity. And in this letter, he starts to get into that and starts to bring some order to it. He does not shut down spiritual activity. The apostle Paul wasn't like, yeah, stop prophesying over people. It's getting weird. He didn't say, you know, stop praying in tongues, stop speaking in tongues. He didn't say, stop operating in the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, laying on of hands and all that. But he did bring order to it. He did bring a proper focus. But if you notice, even before he gets into kind of bringing correction, to maybe how they're doing things. Maybe their method is a little extreme. You know, it's a little wild maybe as, as it appears, right? And they're coming out of some pretty dark things in their life before Christ. And But you'll notice here, um, 1 Corinthians chapter one or two, there's really a focus on the cross, right? And I can see why, right? That even us Christians, if we're not careful, we need to return to the cross. Okay, this is what it's about. That's why I believe communion is so important because it brings us back to the cross. What God did for us, Jesus broke that bread, said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. This is my, this is the new covenant of my blood. Take and drink in my flesh and in my blood is life indeed. I'm the bread from heaven. You see, we must return to the place right, where we don't get distracted into thinking that our walk with God is about what we do all the time. Yes, we do things. Yes, there is the great commission. There is the great commandment to love God, love people, to go into all the world, preach the gospel, to disciple people and minister to people. And yes, we are called to do, we are called to go, but that is not the foundation of our faith. That is like the fruit of the faith. That is what is produced in our life, but we must in our heart, in our life, like we said, um, was it last month, uh, about having a, a, a strong, a healthy interior life before God. And that's what the cross is about. It clarifies our message. I'll say this, you know, um, this isn't like official points here, but as I'm, I'm sharing this, it clarifies our focus. It clarifies the why of our faith. It, it clarifies what this is about. I am responding to what God has done. I am putting my faith in a God that died for me. I am, I am resting in him. He is the one that came. It's not that I love him, it's that he first loved us, right? And so once again, the cross um, clarifies our message. When I say our message, I don't mean there's some 
unique message to our church. I mean the gospel. I mean, that is the gospel. That is the mandate. It, it clarifies the mandate, clarifies the message. It clarifies our intent. It clarifies our calling, the cross. Paul was about to get into some details about how this church ought to behave in Corinth. It's in two extensive letters that we have record of, first and second Corinthians. There was a lot, but what did he start it with? Hey guys, let's get back to the cross. This is about what God has done. This is, this is what our faith is. Everything else is details. All right, let's read another verse here out of first Corinthians, okay? So first Corinthians um, chapter one, all right? Hallelujah, starting in verse 17, 17 to 18. For Christ did not send me to baptize, all right? But to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Get back to the cross, the simplicity of the gospel, that Jesus died for us. He came for us. He loves us, right? The cross not only clarifies the message, it is the message, okay, right? And so once again, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of this. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, um, even things we give God glory for and things that are good, um, if we're not careful, those things can become the main thing. And, and, we, and, and we, can get, we can get off, we can get in error. We can get distracted by things and that we must return to the cross. I, I've heard of preachers, I personally don't do this, maybe I should start, but of certain uh, people um, that they literally receive communion uh, once a day um, just to maintain that focus. Not about, it's not about the works of that, like that, um, that that is some sort of way to please God, right? Like that they're doing that for that. It's just, um, it's for them. Like they, they want to remain centered on what Jesus has done, not on what they do for him. Okay, or 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 not do for the, for him, right? Like like this is about what God has done, Jesus Christ, and Him crucified. All right. So there are things though, like even as Christians, like our Christian life. All right, think about this. Like our whole prayer focus can be centered around things and stuff that is not the main thing. And even though these things could very well be a blessing from God, um, but they are not uh, as important as the truth that Jesus died on the cross, that, that, that we, we receive from God because of that. We actually have access to God because of his shed blood, right? So what are some things that um, even as Christians, 
if we're not careful, can kind of become this focal point of our faith when it not, not to be the focal point, right? And so what are like provision, okay? God is a provider, but the purpose of our walk with God isn't just so he'll provide for us. Can I get an amen, right? Or, or even like breakthrough, like every, 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 all of your prayers all about like kind of getting a breakthrough in some area, right? Or it's, it's, it's like a felt need. It's not that God doesn't do that and that you can't believe for that. It's just, that is not um, as important as having a revelation and understanding of what Jesus has done on that cross. And that that is our message to others. That Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. There is redemption. There is forgiveness. There is hope. There is uh, a wholeness. There is identity. And it all points back to what Jesus has done. All right? Or achievement, um, monetary success, greater influence, right? Like people, people think, come to God and he'll give you greater influence and greater influence and greater. And I'm not saying God won't give you influence for his purposes, but that is not the purpose of the cross isn't so that Christians can have more influence in the world. It is so we can know him and imitate him and be like him so other people see him in us. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't give influence because we see in the scriptures how God gave people positions of influence. But the focus of the Christian life is an influence. There is nothing eternal or sacred or holy about influence. There's nothing eternal, sacred, or holy about monetary success. There is nothing sacred or holy or, or heavenly about achieving something in this world. There is, I'm not saying there's anything evil about those things, but they must not be the absolute focus of our faith. Jesus is, and when we see him, we, we, we experience and we learn from and gain revelation from the cross, all right? Uh, here's, here's some other ones. Sometimes some, some of these things we can get distracted by. Um, as Christians now, uh, that, that the whole focus is, is like spiritual activity, uh, spiritual gifts operating, manifestations, signs and wonders, and where the, it's almost like the, the, the activity of, of things uh, becomes a focus instead of Christ the person, instead of, instead of um, coming back to the cross and everything that God has done, that the focus of our life is all about activity. And, and we, we can see that just because a church or a person experiences spiritual activity does not mean they're right with God, does not mean it's all pure and holy. Um, it's not that we don't want spiritual activity to happen. It's not that we don't want to prophesy and to receive from prophecy and, and we don't want to despise prophecy, but the focus of the Christian life is not number one, spiritual activity, right? It is number one, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when we get him, when we're in him, when we're pursuing him, I guarantee you, we will have some powerful spiritual activity. 
All right. Here's 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 another one that, that we, we can get distracted with, guys. In the church is is, is religious fads, right? Uh, modern church methods becomes about the method, how we do church. Oh, the cool church, they're doing this now, the method, the the, the new the new song, the, the the new way of doing it, the new language of church, like these are the words we're using now, right? Evangelical enterprising in America. Right. It can become about like it's almost like religious capitalism. Right. We're just trying to build bigger and bigger organizations and bigger and bigger churches. And like the bigger, the better, the bigger God's more pleased, the bigger, the more influence. Got to get bigger, 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 bigger. And we've learned over the last couple of years that mega churches don't necessarily mean that everything going on in there is holy and pure and eternally transcendent. Somebody say amen, right? So I'm not hating on big churches, uh, uh, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating. I'm not saying that, 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 uh, it, churches that are big in number are bad. I'm just saying that is not the focus of the Christian's faith is to be involved in some kind of hyper religious branding and church culture hype. Right. Like that is not the gospel. That is not what Jesus died for, for his people to just be all into um, religious culture. Um, you know, it's it, it's like it's like um, organizational leaders in the religious sector and, and finding out systems and methods to make our churches like big box capitalism all over America and grow, grow, grow big, big, big. It's like you know, the Bible says, right, that great gain is not godliness, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm talking about the cross now. I'm saying let's give back to the cross that that, that we experience him. We, 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 we want to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You don't need church fads. You don't need like hyper, you know, church culture hype, you know, big church branding to, to, to be in the kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't people of God in that culture or world of Christianity, but that world of Christianity does not signify kingdom um, because of the bigness or grandness of what they're doing. Can I get an amen, somebody? I am speaking of, as Paul told Corinth, I didn't want to know anything among you, anything other than Christ Jesus and him crucified. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. All right. Come on now, the cross clarifies the message. It, it's like, okay, that is our message. Okay, and sometimes even, um, even when in certain environments, cultural environments in America, I'm sure all over the world, but I live in America, so I know they're there, is you've got these close ties of, of Christendom in a political party, right? And it's kind of like, you know, the, it, it's like a culture, Right, it, 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 it's it's there. You got professing Christians that are that are openly Christian and openly 
driving a political party, and those two are intertwined. They're woven in these cultures. And nowhere in the gospel, when I, when I talk about the cross, there, at the cross, there is no political affiliation. At the cross, there's no cultural obligation other than Christ and him crucified. At the cross, there is, there is no obligation to any culture, political party, or anything, ideology, nothing other than him, Christ. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, so you, you can get these vibes. You're like, man, is this is this is this Christian or is this political or is this is this political or is this Christian or maybe it's, it's a mixture, right? It's a mixture, and if if we're not careful, uh, the message of the gospel can get um, tainted and watered down and defiled by other ideologies and messaging. And I'm saying every other ideology and message, put it on this side. Over here, the cross, Christ and him crucified. That's it. God stands right in, in a place all by himself. Can I get an amen? So when you find yourself, now we're talking about the cross now. I'm talking about the cross. When I talk about the cross, that's all I'm talking about. I ain't talking about Christian TV. I'm not talking about this church or that church. I ain't talking about a denomination. I'm not talking about a way of doing church. I'm not talking about a methodology. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Hopeland Church. I'm not talking about how we do church. I'm not talking about the church, the organization that I am leading. Um, I'm talking about the cross. All right. So all that other stuff I just mentioned as God can use and, and, and is in those things that, that those, those, those environments are not the cross. It's not Christ. Um, it's, it's he and he alone our faith is in. Come on, somebody. And so um, here, here's a couple, here's a, here's a few questions we could ask ourselves. You find yourself in a political environment that looks like it has a whole bunch of mixture in it. It's like Christian politics, Christian poly, politicking. I don't even know if that's a word. But um, mixing, mixing Christ, sacred, eternal son of God in a political agenda. So here's some questions you can ask yourself when you find yourself in these kind of environments when your faith is starting to be focused maybe on things that it's not Christ. It's, 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 it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's about res these other type of outcomes and results. It's not the blood anymore. It's not Jesus, the person. It's not, right? And so what, what kind of questions can we ask? And I know these are simple, but here you go. Um, is, you know, an environment where there's, a lot of talk and this and that, and it might even be in a religious environment, but you're like, wait a minute, something's missing. Here's a good question to ask. Is this Christ and him crucified? Come on now, it could be some podcast talking about all kind of stuff. And you're like, wait a minute, is, is this about an agenda? Is this about some sort of furtherance of something other than the person of Christ? Is this, is this promoting his nature? His, his compassion for people? Is this promoting the truth, the absolute truth that he's the only way, the truth and the life? Or is this some other thing and then they throw words in there like morality or, you know, church, morality, all these other things. And you can have those things and you, you, can, you can talk about morality, but, if, but is Christ talked about? Is, he, is, is, uh, is, is the messaging making the individ individual eternally accountable to God? Or is this something else just kind of dressed 
in religiosity and dressed in Christianity, but is it about the person or, or is the Bible and just certain principles being used to kind of get something done or some sort of outcome? Come on now. Here's another question. Is this about becoming more like Jesus in lifestyle, attitude, and nature? All right, here we go. Let's go. First Corinthians again, chapter one, verse 22 to 24. Here we go. For Jews, I'm going back to this verse. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Meaning culture is going to say all kinds of things. Culture is going to want all kinds of things. People are going to want all kinds of things. People are going to be focused on all kinds of things, right? But, but we, when it, at the core of our faith, the absolute core is Christ and crucified. Okay, to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. Not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to like it, but it is Christ and him crucified. But to those who are, being, who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Okay, so once again, hallelujah. The cross, here's my point. The cross is about what God did. That's what it's about. It's about what God did. Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, okay? So our faith is based on what God did, not on what we do. Our faith is based on his love for us, not our love for him. The cross represents God's motive toward us and his relation to us. The cross was a relational exchange, all right? Athanasius, uh, part of the fourth century church, said that God became like us so that we could become like him, all right? At the appointed time of human existence is the cross, a demonstration of what God has done for humanity. This is the gospel. This is what it means to be a Christian. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven to eight. In him, we have redemption through his blood. All right? The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Verse eight of Ephesians one, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Once again, the cross is about what God did and it is about what God has done, all right? It's about what God has done. I just have a couple more points and I'm gonna go quick. Here's my next point, folks. The cross is, it tells us this. It tells us that it's what we deserved, right? When, when we look at the cross, it's, it's, it ought to be humbling. It ought to be like, oh, man, that, that, that's, what, that's what sin does. The, 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 the cross, the, 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 the blood of Jesus, the crucifixion, that moment tells us what our sin, what we're deserving of because of our sin. Okay, when we look at the cross, we see what? The depravity of man, that we are sinful and we cannot help it. He was on the cross. Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. The outcome of sin, it, it tells us, this is what we see when we look at the cross. The outcome of sin 
and the outcome of a sinful lifestyle. Okay. All right. Here's another one that, that we, when we look at the cross, we see that we are unable to justify ourselves before God. We must look at the cross because it tells us we cannot justify ourselves before God. We aren't good enough. We can't be good enough. Right? We, we can't pay that debt. It tells us that it was paid already. And it tells us that it had to be paid. Okay? It speaks of our inability to justify ourselves. But it speaks of the truth that we have been justified because of him. Okay? When we look at the cross, we see that we are guilty. And that we need forgiveness. I'm telling you. Look at that cross. Go back into the Gospels and read about it. All right? Okay, what is it saying? That all of humanity, when we look at the cross, what is it saying? It's saying that we ain't right in and of ourselves. Humanity, we're not right, but Jesus paid a price and we can receive forgiveness. All right, in and of ourselves, we ain't right. All right, Romans 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Hallelujah. Okay, here's my last point, and I got one more verse. The cross speaks of our need for God. The cross speaks of our need for God. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings and don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.